Underground Productions presents Brass, the audio series, episode 31, On and Off the Chessboard. The year is 1886, but not one you'd find in your history books, for this is a very different 19th century than our own, more technologically advanced and more hopeful, wise and just. The result of a series of very fortunate historical events, one of which is that in this England, Prince Albert is still alive, if slightly under the weather. Gesundheit. Oh, danke schön. However, along with his wife Queen Victoria, he is also currently under house arrest in the Scottish manor house of Balmoral, victims of the villainous crime minister and his political puppet Lord Trent. And though Lady Brass, their would-be rescuer, has arrived, all three are now trapped in the private rooms of the royal couple, while outside the pounding on the locked door continues. Madeline, what shall we do? I'm thinking... Wait, that cabinet. Is that what I think it is? What do you think it is? <gasps> yes. Quickly, both of you. Uh, get in here. The royal couple follow her instructions, and a moment later... What the merry blue blazes are you doing? I... Why was this door locked? I've been laying the telephone wire in here, and that involves testing the electrical current. Do you know anything about electrical wiring for telephones, my good man? I... well, not really. Exactly why I had the door locked. Last thing I need is 10,000 volts of telephonic electricity jumping across the room at the first glick at Yahoo comes striding in here. Now, how can I help you? The Queen and the Royal Consul. Aye. Where are they? I've not seen them. You haven't? Look around this room. Do you? I... No. That's right. The room's bereft of any royals whatsoever. They're probably off knighting someone or opening a shop or something. Isn't that what they do? Now, excuse me. I've got to run this wire down that hallway and could I please ask you to not touch it unless you want to add another casualty to the growing list of accidental telephonic debts. And with that, Lady Brass leaves a very perplexed guard, who, carefully avoiding the long copper wire she has uncoiled, begins a tentative look around a very empty set of rooms. Meanwhile, three floors below in the basement... Hello? Hello? Your Majesty? Who is asking? They're here. Deptford? Indeed, Your Majesty. Your Majesties. So sorry, Your Majesty. Didn't see that you're crammed in there as well. <laughs> so they're here. Your Majesties, my name's Millicent, and I work for the Brasses. Ah, wunderbar. Let's get both of you out of there. Careful now. A good thing we were wearing our dressing gown. We'd never have made it into the dumbwaiter wearing one of our dresses. It was a tight squeeze, my dear. I only hope you don't get my cold as a result. We have excellent constitution. So, Dempford, you remain loyal to us. I and all of the Balmoral staff, Your Majesty. When your situation was explained... You can be assured we were anxious to help the Brasses in any way we could. Indeed, Your Majesties. We've been stationed throughout the manor waiting for your appearance. 
Now, we've got to get you off the grounds as quickly as possible before the alarm sounded and, and platoon of men come looking for us. So when they do, we've got a dozen different directions. We'll send them in so that they aren't following you. Now, this way. We've got a change of clothes and a carriage waiting for you, but we must go now. God bless you, Demford. God save you, Your Majesty. With your assistance, let's hope he has. All right. Uh, this way, you say? Yes, Your Majesty. Farewell. Come along, Albert. Oh, I hope the change of clothes is into something warm. I'm sure it is, Your Majesty. Yet even as Millicent and the household staff escort the royals towards escape, Lady Brass's son Cyril is facing an extraordinary danger of his own, for he and the family friend Lord Whitestone are standing in water up to their chests in an abandoned well deep in the ossuaries of Paris, beneath the subterranean lair of the Graveyard King. Forty feet above them, the morbid malefactor lifts another antique cannonball and prepares to drop it down on his hapless adversaries. You... you... You all right, Whitestone? I am, Cyril Brass. That last one grazed my shoulder. Grazed? Dislocated, if I'm to be honest. That was a big one. This wall is collapsing. No. Someone is breaking through. This way. Come this way. We shall. And with that, strong arms pull our friends through the well's wall of skulls and bones into a tunnel of the catacombs. Moments later, dripping wet, they stand facing a trio of bearded young men wearing black robes. Bonjour. 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 Any chance you're the nice sort of Frenchman? <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Hotel Jacques in the very same city, Abadel Qatar. Master spy and trusted friend of the Brasses is sitting in his room, monitoring a strange device the size of a large packing trunk with many knobs, meters, and dials. Hang on. I'm trying to adjust the frequency. Found him. Thank God. Benjamin, he has been hailing on this frequency for the past 20 minutes. Why didn't you get me sooner? I couldn't find you. One minute discussing etheric batteries with Dr. Jones and his American associates, the next aquaculture with the first mate of Prince Dakar. You've been all over this hotel, Lord Brass. I tell you, the most interesting people in the world are spies, rebels, and pirates. Professor, are you still there? Hello? H hello? Is are you there, Benjamin? Eric! My friend! It is so good to hear your voice. And yours as well. I had thought... My friends, we, we had all thought we had lost you. It was a near thing, I'll admit. And your family? They survived as well? They did. Now, Eric, is Ponder there? Ponder? Yes. I assume it was he that told you to contact me here. It was. But he's gone. Back to his flat, I imagine. He merely gave me the message to find you via Tesla's astonishing device. That, and so I began trying to find you. Where are you? Eric, I need you to give me the code that Ponder was to pass on to you. The code? Yes. There is a short code. A code? Oh, yes. He mentioned a code, but, but I found you without the code. You did, but you must understand, my friend. I need to confirm it is you with the code. Of 
course. What a sensible precaution. Well, as I said, he isn't here, but I will see him very soon. Benjamin, let us talk at this time tomorrow. That should give me plenty of time to confirm this code with him. Splendid, dear fellow. Tomorrow at 10.26 p.m. I look forward to speaking with you then. But, but can we not... We must not. Farewell, Eric. A code? A wise precaution, Benjamin. Professor von Hoffman? But he's your friend, isn't he? Don't you trust him? I am tremendously excited to have had contact from a valuable ally and even more a good friend, but protocols must be followed. There is too much at stake. Von Hoffmann may have been speaking under duress, or it may have been someone who was not him at all, but a mimic. No, we must be vigilant. Whatever he might have to share with me, it shall wait until tomorrow night when he can provide the code. Any word from Tesla yet? Not yet. Keep me posted. If Ponder hasn't rescued him, I'll wager Gwendolyn has managed it. It's a fine thing to have confidence in the competence of one's offspring. Now, gentlemen, our gathering has moved to the smoking lounge. Come along and let me introduce you to some fascinating people. Oh, the smoking lounge. Does your religion prohibit smoking as well as alcohol, Abed? Oh, not with any great force. I avoid tobacco because, as snuff... Chew or smoke, it's disgusting. But I cannot resist good conversation. And that is why you are such a dear friend. Now, there's an American revolutionary that you must meet, Samuel Clemens. Fascinating man. Was a miner on the Comstock load, a riverboat captain, journalist, essayist, even a bit of a scientist. He's got a mind like a sponge in some of the funniest stories you've ever heard. He smokes. He does. Large cigars. <sighs> His stories had better be funny. Hilarious. Meanwhile, back in London, Lord Brass's only daughter Gwendolyn has made her way, along with her new companion Mr. Crawford, to the gymnasium of Dan Abraham in the East End. Hello? Is anyone here? Ah, uh, good to see you, Gwendolyn. And you as well, Dan. Ponder had left a note saying we were to rendezvous here. Where's Tesla? I am here. Yes, this is Dr. Tesla. I am not a doctor, Mr. Abraham. Very pleased to make your acquaintance, Miss Brass. The reports of your beauty fall short of doing you justice. Why, thank you, Mr. Tesla. Please, it's Nicola. Nicola, then. And this gentleman is... Crawford's my name. I've heard of you, Mr. Tesla. And I made the mistake of betting against you, Mr. Abraham, on the Jack Wilson fight. <laughs> well, you weren't the only one, Mr. Crawford. I didn't reckon my own odds being very high against old Jack. Twenty-two rounds are some of the best fighting I've ever seen. I think I just wore him out. That's how it felt, anyway. Mr. Crawford was, up to just a short time ago, an employee of our adversary. Wait, the Crime Minister? Aye, that's what they call him. Only I know where he really is. You do? He does, and I believe him. But before that, congratulations on retrieving Mr. Tesla, Dan, but where's Ponder? Well, when we got into the Ministry of Science, I was able to find Professor Tesla. Thank you, but I am also not a professor. I left Graz University after a year because the professors there had nothing to teach me. Apologies, Mr. Tesla. Not at all. In any case, Ponder couldn't find Professor von Hoffmann at the Ministry, so he's gone off to try and find him elsewhere. What? Oh, that's bad. What was he supposed to do when he found him? Tell him that you're all alive and that he should contact your father through... Tesla's uh, device. That is my understanding. 
Do you know where he was planning on beginning his search? I don't. His home, maybe? Is this a problem? A very big one. Von Hoffman is the crime minister. What? Professor von Hoffman. That is unexpected news. And quite unwelcome. Yes? He is a gifted scientist. And we have collaborated on several projects. How distressing. And you've heard nothing from Ponder? Not since his departure several hours ago. Well, let's hope that your friend hasn't found von Hoffman, then. I've seen Ponder fight. He's formidable. Yeah, I've seen him fight, too. Up close. And you're right. He's a dynamo. But I've been in the room when the crime minister strategized. He's as cunning as Satan and twice as smooth a liar. All respect to your friend. If he's found him and told him about the brasses, he's as good as dead. Ponder would still have to give him the code. And as long as he hasn't done that... A code? All communiques between Ponder, Father and myself are prefaced by a short alphanumeric code that's changed on a regular basis. I had noticed a predilection in your father toward secrecy. <laughs> Not just him. Code-breaking was Mother's favourite parlour game. She'd hide all the Christmas presents and give us a code to crack for each of them. I swear there was a tea set for my dolls that I never did find. You have a very strange family, Gwendolyn. So what does that mean? It means that if Ponder has been taken, there's reason to keep him alive. At least until he's forced to give up the code. And believe me, he'll find a way to get it out of your friend. You have no idea how ruthless he is. If we could just find out where he's been taken or had a way of getting a message to him. We can! We have! Nicola! Gwendolyn? Your wireless communication device, where is it? Regrettably, it was taken from me when I was imprisoned in the Ministry of Science. Oh, blast! Is there any place we can get another? I began building one two hours ago, thanks to supplies from Mr. Abraham. My Uncle Benny is a scrap merchant. Apparently your father instructed me to send him a message. How long will it take for you to finish its construction? I would imagine another ten to twelve hours. With an assistant? What sort of assistant? Me. I often assisted my father in his laboratory. Given your father's brilliance, I adjust my estimate to six hours. Excellent. Dan, could you get us some coffee? We're going to have to get to work right away. Coffee. With cream? And the usual? Eighteen napkins. Got it, Mr. Tesla. Here's what we're going to do. Yet even as Gwendolyn and Tesla prepare to burn the midnight oil, back in his laboratory, von Hoffman sits, contemplating the still form of Ponder Wright, hanging loosely from his electromagnet. Hmm. Better let you down. Somewhat the worse for wear. It appears, upon the right, that I must allow you to live. Unfortunately. At least until I can get a certain code out of you. And so, a new game begins with the brasses. The four of them against me. And the only advantage I have is the might of the British Empire. Should be entertaining. <laughs> Best lug him downstairs. He's as heavy as he looks. Oh well. Perhaps I shall take him down piecemeal. Good heavens! Are we about to witness the disassembly of the heroic Ponder Wright? And what of Cyril and Lord Whitestone, facing a solemn group of black-clad Frenchmen in the catacombs of Paris? And what, above all, is to be the fate of the renegade royals? To find out, join us for the continuation of the story of the first family of the realm, Brass. 
Brass is manufactured by Battleground Productions and features Kate Cray as Lady Brass, Charles Leggett as Lord Brass, Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn Brass, and Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with Larry Albert, Dennis Bateman, Margie Bickman, Lisa Carswell, Amy Decker, Nancy Fry, Ronnie Hill, Philip Keeman, John Longenbar, Matt Middleton, Terry Edward Moore, Tad Morgan, and Nikki Vissel. Brass was recorded at Jack Straw Studios, engineered by Joel Maddox, with sound design by Kirsty Gilmore, and music composed by Bruce Monroe. It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh. For more information on Brass, go to battlegroundproductions.org, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and to support us, fund us on Patreon, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.